You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Psalm chapter 119, and if we could, let's read verses 33 to verse number 40 together. Again, Psalm 119, verse 33 to verse number 40. If you're there, say amen. Amen. If you're not, say oh me. All right, we're all there. Psalm 119, let's read verses 33 to verse 40 together. Ready, begin. Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it unto the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Make me to go in the path of thy commandments, for therein do I delight. Incline my heart unto thy testimonies, and not to covetousness. Turn away mine enemies from beholding vanity, and quicken thou me in thy way. Establish thy word unto thy servant, who is devoted to thy fear." Turn away my reproach, which I fear, for thy judgments are good. Behold, I have longed after thy precepts. Quicken me in thy righteousness. And let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. I thank you that you have given us your word and it is available to us today. I thank you that we can read it, we can study it. I thank you that we can understand it, we can apply it to our lives. And I pray that you'd help us tonight. Lord, as we sit in this service, uh, many of us for this week will have a lot of decisions to make. We'll have a lot of situations we'll face uh, that we cannot face without you. And we need your help. We need your wisdom. And we certainly need your direction. I pray that you would help us tonight to take the word of God that is preached and spoken. And may we take it with us and may we put it into practice this week. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. In Psalm 119, and it was, I think, back in the end of April, first part of May, that we began uh, this particular psalm. We got up to verse number 33. But I'd like to take this next section, and I'd like to just show us some things that I believe will be a help to us uh, in this particular psalm. Number one, if you're taking notes, and you certainly don't have to take notes, but it may help you to follow along. I know it helps me. Uh, with an outline. It helps me when I'm preaching not to get off on too many rabbit trails. But number one, I want you to write down the word education. Education. Some of you say, doesn't apply to me. I'm done with school, right? This is back to school Sunday. And some of you, you, you're saying it's not back to school for me. (laughs) It's back to work, right? Uh, Every week is back to work. Every Monday is back to work. But can I tell you, No matter how long you've been out of school, no matter how long you've been out of classes, and you say, well, occasionally with work, I have to take some classes, or I have to get some extra training to keep up and keep my certification, or whatever it is. But did you know all of us should be learning? All of us should be receiving instruction on a daily basis from the greatest teacher that has ever lived. The one who teaches us, the one who instructs us, I believe is none other than the Holy Spirit of God who every single day leads us and guides us into all truth. Notice what David says here, number one, about our education. Verse 33, he says, teach me, O Lord, 
the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it unto the end. Hold your place in Psalm 119, and go back with me, if you would, to Psalm 25. Psalm 25, verse number 4, and I'm going to go quickly. If you don't catch up, that's okay. Just keep trying. One of, these, one of these passages, you'll land on it, and you'll be there when I'm reading it. Psalm 25, verse number 4, David says, Show me thy ways, O Lord, teach me thy paths. Verse 5, lead me in thy truth and teach me. For thou art the God of my salvation, on thee do I wait all the day. Now you say, well, this poor guy, he must have been so ignorant. He must have been such a terrible Christian because he is telling God he needs God to teach him something. Well, David was not ignorant. David was not a terrible Christian. You know who David was? He was a man after God's own heart. He was the sweet psalmist of Israel. He is the one that uh, had such grace and truth and had such balance in his life. Uh, he could kill a giant and at the same time, or at not same time, but he'd kill a giant and then he'd go back and play a harp. This was a man that God used greatly. He was uh, the greatest king of Israel, I believe, that ever lived. Some may say Solomon, but I think probably David. It was David, and yet David, a man after God's own heart, he said, Lord, I still need to learn. I still need you to teach me. David said, I don't know it all. David, who penned uh, the book of Psalms, David, who was used so mightily by God, but yet David said, Lord, I have not arrived. Can I tell you, if you think, and if I think that we don't need to learn anything we're in trouble because spiritually we ought to be learning every day. We ought to be growing every single day. And if you're here tonight and you say, I have arrived, you have just announced the fact that you have arrived at the, uh, at the pinnacle of pride. And I've arrived at the pinnacle of pride if I think that we, I don't need anything or you don't need anything. We need God to teach us every day. Notice Psalm 27. Psalm 27 and verse number 11. The Bible says, David cries out, teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. I like that. David said, Lord, would you please teach me and would you please keep it simple? How many of you like it when the teacher keeps it simple? Oh, I like it that way. I like it where I can understand it. David says, lead me in a plain path. God, please don't make it too confusing. We need God to lead us in a plain path. Notice Psalm 86. Psalm 86 and verse number 11, the Bible says, Teach me thy way, O Lord, and I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. Verse 12, I will praise thee, O Lord my God, with all my heart. That was our theme for 2015, with all my heart. And David said, Lord, I need you to teach me your way. Would you turn back with me to Psalm 119? But I want you to notice in Psalm 119, verse number 12, David prays and says, Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. Notice with me, if you would, verse number uh, 26, I have declared my ways and thou heardest me, teach me thy statutes. Notice verse number 33, teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes. Verse number 64, the earth, O Lord, is full of thy mercy. Teach me thy statutes. Verse 66, teach me good judgment and knowledge. Verse 68, thou art good and doest good. Teach me 
thy statutes. Notice verse number 108. He says, teach me thy judgments. Verse number 135, and teach me thy statutes. Verse number 124, teach me thy statutes. Do you get the idea idea that David needs God and he wants God to teach him something? In a summary, in all of these prayers that David makes, he says, Lord, I need you, one, I need you to teach me your way. And you know, all of us, we need God to show us the way. We need God to teach us the way that we're supposed to live, the way that we're supposed to live every day. David says, Lord, would you teach me your word? He says, teach me your statutes. And I want to tell you, friend, if we do not know the word of God, it's not God's fault because he's given it to us. And I've, you know it, I, I know it. I've heard people say, well, I just don't understand it. Well, can I tell you, if you try to understand it and if you work at it, there's a whole lot of this book that you will understand. I've got a man, there's a man in our church, I won't tell you who it is. Uh, I don't think it embarrasses him. He's, he's a great man. But he's been texting me and he's been saying, hey, what are some ways that I can study the Bible better? And I've just told him about a few things I use and I'm not high tech and all that, but I've told him about some books and some different tools that I use to study the Bible. But friend, you know, it's amazing if you want to and if you put forth some effort, it's amazing how much of the Bible you can understand if you'll read it, if you'll study it, if you'll spend some time in it. David says, teach me thy way and teach me thy word. But then David says in, notice with me, Psalm 143. Wow, I love this. Psalm 143, verse number 10. No, that's not the right verse. He says, teach me to do thy will. I'll get the reference for you here in a minute. I wrote down the wrong verse. But David says, Lord, I need you to teach me your will. Do you know God's got a plan for you? God's got a plan for your life. God's got a plan for my life. And we need God to show us what that plan is. Many times we're not interested in God's plan because we've got so many plans of our own, don't we? I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go here and I'm going to take care of this. Well, wouldn't it be great every day to say, Lord, teach me to do your will. Not my will, Jesus said, but thine be done. Number one, the word is education. We need God to teach us. I've had some great teachers in my life, but the best teachers I've ever had were teachers that made mistakes. Did you ever have a teacher like that in school that maybe made a mistake when they were grading a a test or grading an assignment or maybe they were speaking in a class and they, they said something that wasn't right? Well, we've all done that. We're human. But I'm glad to tell you that Jesus Christ the greatest teacher that ever walked this planet, the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you, the greatest teacher that you and I will ever have, will never make a mistake. He knows what's best. He knows everything about every subject. He knows the the, the future. Uh, He knows the past. He knows the present. He knows everything about you. He knows the thoughts and the intents of your heart and mind. We need the Lord to teach us. But notice with me with, uh, back in Psalm 119, 33, teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes and I shall keep it unto the end. I want you to jot down that word, the end, the ending, uh, the conclusion. You know, I'm glad that you're here tonight. I'm glad I'm here tonight. But my desire is not just to follow the Bible and follow God's plan for a portion of my life. 
This is not just a, a phase I'm going through, I hope. This is not just a fad that you're experiencing and you're kind of trying out the Christian life. And by the way, if you're new to the, to the church or you're new to Christianity or if you're new to being saved, I want to tell you, it's the greatest life in all the world. But the goal is not just to, to have it for a little while. David said, God, I want to stick with this till the end. And friend, I want to tell you, when my life ends, and I don't know when it's going to end, I don't know how it's going to end, but when my life ends, I want to still be true to the Word of God. And I want God still to be teaching me. I hope that the day I die, I'm still letting the Holy Spirit of God speak to my heart and to show me things that I need. Not only the education, number two, the ending, the result, uh, what happens at the end. So it's sad to me that some people, they start well, but they never finish. Think about who's writing this right now. It's a man by the name of David. You know what David witnessed? He witnessed a king, his own father-in-law, a man by the name of Saul. And you know what he witnessed in Saul? He witnessed a man that started so well. Saul was head and shoulders above the crowd. You remember that passage in 1 Samuel? That Saul was one that was anointed with oil by Samuel. Saul began to prophesy and Saul began to preach and, and Saul began to minister. And, and there went with Saul a band of men whose hearts God had touched. Saul had so much potential. Saul could have been the greatest thing that ever happened. I've said this before, but like we had our first president of the United States, George Washington, who set such a great direction and made such an impact in the founding of this nation. That's the way King Saul could have done and he should have done. He started so well, but he finished so poorly. And I wonder if David saw that example. And I wonder if David said, Lord, Please don't let me be a casualty like Saul. God, I want to end still following your word. God, I want to cross the finish line and I want to still be true to you. God, I don't want to be another illustration. I don't want to be another bad example. I don't want to be another has-been or like the apostle Paul said, uh, he said, I don't want to be another castaway. Can I tell you, it ought to be our desire tonight to say, I want to finish well. I want to end my race still serving God. You say, well, pastor, is that even possible? Saul started well, he didn't finish. Brother Dan's been talking about in Sunday school, been talking about, uh, uh, been mentioning Demas several times in the New Testament, 2 Timothy, where the Bible says that Demas he was faithful and he was serving God. But Paul then said, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Now you think about this. You get signed up to go on a missionary journey with the greatest missionary that ever lived, the Apostle Paul. And you're seeing people get saved and you're seeing miracles and you're seeing the power of God. And yet you quit. I can't imagine that. I can't fathom that. But can I tell you, some people quit. Some people don't make it till the end. I'm not saying they lose their salvation because I'm glad that's impossible to lose once you've got. But there are people that don't finish the race faithful. They don't make it till the end doing what's right. And you say, well, pastor, is it possible? Uh, does anybody, can anybody finish well? 
Well, of course you can, and you know people, and I know people who have finished well. They ran their race, and they fought a good fight, and they finished their course. And, of course, we know in the Word of God, 2 Timothy 4, the Apostle Paul, for one, he said, I know one thing. He said, I fought a good fight, I finished my course, and I've kept the faith. I want to tell you, it's possible. You can finish well. You say, well, who else finished well? Well, I'm glad you asked. Uh, have you ever heard the story about Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who the one that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross and he hung on that cross. And what did he say? He said, it is finished. He finished well and he became our example. I want to tell you, you can finish and I can finish and we can end well if we'll stay true to the word of God. Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes and I shall keep it unto the end not only do we see the education number two we see the ending but number three we see the execution and i'm not talking about somebody getting killed i'm talking about the follow-through i'm talking about actually doing what we say we're going to do notice verse number 34 give me understanding and i shall keep thy law that's putting you the the, the bible into practice i'm going to do what god's word says Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Can I tell you, that's a good way to live for God, a good way to serve God. Just do it with your whole heart. Uh, if you go into it 50%, that's not going to work very well. If you're like, well, I'm kind of 70-30. No, no, no. Just go in with everything you've got. Give your whole heart to God. Give your whole life to God. You'll never have any regrets that you did too much for God. I'll promise you that. But then verse 35, David says, make me. <laughs> Lord, please force me if you have to, but I want to go in the path of thy commandments. That's the execution. That's the follow through of doing what God's word says to do. Verse 34 says we need understanding. Can I tell you, the Bible is not just a manual to be memorized, but it's a book that we live by every single day day you may have a manual stuck in your vehicle and some of the new vehicles don't even have a manual they just tell you where to go online to get it and you may never read that manual and maybe you can operate your vehicle and you take it to the shop and everything's okay everything's working out all right but i'll promise you this if that's the way you treat this book like you treat a vehicle manual it's not going to work out okay We've got to get in this book and we've got to apply it. We need understanding. We need to know what it says and how to apply it to our lives. With understanding comes obedience. I believe we should obey even when we don't understand. How many of you have ever had something in the Bible that you didn't really understand how it all worked out? You ever seen something like that? Okay. I think most of us have. I think we should obey even when we don't understand it. But can I tell you this? I also think we ought to obey when we do understand it. And God's word is, has been given to us as a manual for living. May God help us to do what he's told us to do. After we've been taught the way, we need to go in that way. We need to obey, not just to be hearers of the word, but to be doers of the word of God. Verse 35, make me to go in the path of thy commandments for therein do i delight 
want you to jot down the word endearment. The word endearment. You see, to delight in something, it means to have pleasure with something. It means to be pleased with something. Now, I believe, and I'll, uh, please hear me out on this. I believe you ought to read the Bible even if you don't feel like it. And by the way, there will be times where you do not feel like reading the Bible. There'll be times where you'll be tired. There'll be times where you'll be mad. There'll be times where you'll just be busy. There'll be times, and I hate to say it, but maybe times where you're reading through a passage of Scripture, you say, well, that's not very interesting. There may be times that you don't feel like it, but can I tell you, I think you still ought to read it. There may be times where you don't feel like eating. Yeah, it never happens to me, but maybe for you. But can I tell you what the doctor's going to say? Maybe if you don't have your appetite or maybe if you're on some medication and you don't feel like eating, the doctor's going to say, you've got to get your nutrition. You've got to get that nourishment. Even if you have to force yourself, you've got to have that intake of that food. And can I tell you, even when you don't feel like it, I think you ought to read the Bible. But here's the blessing. Once you get into it, it gets good. And once you get into it, it becomes precious. And once you get into it, there becomes a delight and it becomes enjoyable to you. Have you ever had a particular food that you really didn't like eating, but you tried it? And you say, oh, that's not bad. And then maybe you had it again the next time. You say, oh, that's actually better than I remembered. And maybe something you used to not to like, and now it's, you love it. Well, can I tell you what? This book right here, if you'll read it, and you'll give yourself to this book, you'll realize that this book is precious. And this book will change your life. The more you read it, the more you want to read it. And the more you get in this book, the more you realize how much more you need. But may there be an endearment. May there be a delight. Psalm 40, verse 8, David said, I delight to do thy will, O God, yea, thy law is within my heart. Ephesians 6, the Bible says that we are to do the will of God from the heart. Yes, I think you ought to do the will of God because it's the right thing to do. But there comes a time where you're like, man, I've got to do this. This is my, my privilege. This is my delight. There's an endearment. Jesus said in John 8, he said, I do always those things that please him. Notice with me, if you would, verse 36, incline my heart unto thy testimonies and not to covetousness. He said, Lord, help my heart to be focused on your word and help my heart not to be focused on all the other things that I want that I really don't need. Then he says in verse 37, turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity. Now, vanity simply means something that is worthless, something that is useless. Uh, I always think about it like this. Uh, you go into the, uh, uh, the store. Most of the children are out, so I can, I can tell this secret. You go to the store. You go to the dollar store. And you go to the toy section at the dollar store. And you know, there's a reason why those to toys are a dollar, right? You know that. Because they're going to break in the first day. And if they somehow survive the first day, day number two, they're going to be broken. They're, that's why they're a dollar, right? Uh, they're, they're not valuable. They're not long-lasting. 
Now, they do the job, though, don't they, for the younger children? You take them to the dollar store and say, I tell you what, you can pick any item you want. And, and you feel good about it, like, you know, boy, I'm just the most generous person in the whole world. But anyway, vanity, it is something that is worthless. It's something that really doesn't matter. We all do it, don't we? We get our eyes on the things of this world that are just vanity. They're, they're just temporal. Someday they're all going to burn up. Someday they're all going to be gone. But David says, Lord, turn my eyes away from vanity. Number five, the word is estimation. David says, Lord, help me to see things for what they really are. Help me to see things for what they are really, truly worth. Help me to have a proper evaluation or a proper estimation of what really matters in life. I'd encourage you this week to do inventory with your time, with your schedule, with your finances, with your priorities, and say, how much time and how much money am I spending this week on things that really don't matter? Can I tell you, that'd be a, a good exercise for all of us to do, to make sure that our priorities are on those things that please God. You see, our focus is so important. Our outlook becomes our outcome. Remember the story of Abraham in the Bible? Abraham, he left his father's country. He left the Ur of the Chaldees. And in the book of Hebrews, it tells us that Abraham was looking for something unusual. He was looking for a city. But he wasn't looking for an earthly city. He was looking for a heavenly city. He said, I'm looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. Guess what? He found it. He ended up in Hebrews 11 in the Hall of Faith chapter because his outlook determined his outcome. But do you remember who was with Abraham? Remember his nephew by the name of Lot? And the Bible says that Lot was not interested in the heavenly things. He was not interested in the things that God had for him. But Lot lifted up his eyes and he beheld the well watered plains of Sodom. You know what was in Sodom? The wickedness and the filth of the world. The things that literally were going to burn up very soon because fire and brimstone rained down on those cities because of their wickedness. But the problem was that the outlook of Lot was not on something that was really, truly valuable. The outlook determines the outcome. I want you to notice quickly number six. The word I have you jot down is the word establishment. Verse 38, David says, Lord, establish or establish your word unto thy servant who is devoted to thy fear. The word establish, it means to be confirmed. It means to stand upon or to be built upon something. And David said, I want my life to be built upon the word of God. He said, I want my foundation to be God on your word, uh, not on my ideas, not on my plans, not on my goals, not on my, my priorities, but God, I want my life to be established upon you and upon your word. David says in verse number 38, he said, your servant, speaking of himself, he said, thy servant who is devoted to thy fear interesting. You see, David was fearful. 
He was not fearful of his enemies, although he had many enemies. He was not fearful of what the world would do to him, but he was fearful. He had a reverence, he had a respect for the things of God. You see, it goes on to say in verse number 39, Turn away my reproach, which I fear, for thy judgments are good. You say, well, what's the reproach that he was afraid of? I've said this before, and uh, you've heard it many times, I'm sure. But David said, God, my fear is that I might do something to hurt you and to bring dishonor to you. That was David's fear. By the way, I don't know exactly when this psalm was penned. We know the sin that David had with Bathsheba. And we know that David's heart cried out to God. He wanted to be clean. He wanted to be right. He didn't want to bring reproach to the name of God. But can I tell you, there ought to be a fear in our lives, not a fear of man, but there ought to be a fear and a, and a reverence and a respect of God. And fear is not fearing what God may do to hurt us, but fearing what we might do to hurt the heart of our Father. I want you to notice verse number 40. Behold, David says, I have longed after thy precepts. Jot down, if you would, the word eagerness. There was an eagerness. David said, I have longed, I have desired after thy precepts. That word precepts literally means mandates. He said, bring them on. I want more of your mandates. I want more of your laws. Now, we're not saying that to the governor, that's for sure. And we're not saying that to the president, that's for sure. And you're probably not saying that to your boss. Hey, boss, can you give me more rules? I know our students are not saying that in school. Um, teacher, I don't have enough rules. Do you think maybe you could give me some more? But you know what David was saying? God, I want more of your mandates. I want more of your precepts. I long for, I desire your word. There was an eagerness. And then lastly, I see there was an energy. Verse number 40, David says, quicken me in thy righteousness. Again, in verse 37, he says, quicken thou me in thy way. That word quicken means to make alive. It means to give new life, to give a new a zeal or a new energy. David said, God, I need your word to energize me this week. He didn't say this week, but I'm saying I need God's word to energize me this week. Uh, you remember those old commercials? Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be in your thoughts and you're going to have dreams about it tonight. But you remember those commercials that were so random? You're like, what in the world is this commercial all about? I mean, this was when I was a boy. I'll tell you how long ago it was. And all of a sudden, there'd be that Energizer bunny. Remember that? And he'd be beating that drum, and he'd be walking through some desert or through some forest or whatever. And, and the, 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 the point was the Energizer battery, it keeps going and going, and, and it just keeps going. You know how you're going to keep going this week? You know how I'm going to keep going this week? It's not going to be in our own strength. It's not going to be from the people at work that are going to energize you. It's not going to be maybe from your peers or from your family, although they can help. But the energy and the power that we have comes from the Word of God. Hebrews 4, you know the verse. The Word of God is quick. That means it's alive. There's that word quicken. It is quick and powerful. 
It is sharper than any two-edged sword. The Word of God gives you energy. I'll say this in closing. How is your longing? How is your desire for the Word of God? The Bible is compared to, in Scripture, it's compared to honey. Boy, I like honey. Honey makes things taste good, doesn't it? I remember when I was a boy and mom and dad, they wouldn't let us always have the, the sugary cereal. You know the good cereal? You know that has like more sugar than you could possibly imagine, like Cocoa Puffs? Oh, how many of you love Cocoa Puffs? Let me see your hands. Wow, not very many of you. You are healthy eaters. How many of you like Lucky Charms? Have you ever had Lucky Charms? Especially the marshmallows. Those are good, right? Or maybe, I remember, I love peanut butter. So I remember I loved Cap'n Crunch. Remember Cap'n Crunch cereal? Ooh, now that's good. That might be a good after church snack right, right about now. But you know, I remember mom and dad, they, they, they didn't want us to always have all that sugar, you know. So we'd have Wheaties or we'd have cornflakes, you know, and all that. And it's amazing how good Wheaties tasted when you poured honey and sugar on it. I'm telling you, that was some good stuff right there. And I'd eat, I'm confessing my sins now. I'll tell you how much honey I put on it. I'd get to the bottom of the bowl. <laughs> and guess what was in the bottom of the bowl? There's a little bit of honey left over. You know what you do with that spoon? You scoop up every last bit of that honey, and that last bite tastes really good. But you know what? This book is compared to honey. This book is compared to and likened to bread. We need bread. We need food. We need that. It's, it, that's, that's how you stay alive. This book is compared to our milk. How does a baby survive? How does a baby grow? A baby must have milk. And as newborn babes in Christ, we desire the milk of the word that we may grow thereby. You've got to have the milk. And then this word, this book is compared to meat. We're having a men's meat night on Saturday. I don't, I, I don't know what everybody's bringing, but I doubt there's going to be very many salads coming in on Saturday night. And if you do bring in a salad, disguise it. I'm not sure Brother Dan will even let it in. Brother Dan hates salad. <laughs> Brother Dan used to come to our house when Brother Dan was single, and my wife and I were married. I was the uh, youth pastor in Illinois, and Brother Dan was a college student. He was our summer intern. And Brother Dan would, he lived about 25, 30 minutes away, so he wouldn't go home for lunch, but uh, he would often he would invite himself over to our house for lunch. But before he would invite himself over to our house, he would tell me, say, call Joanna and ask her what's for lunch. And if it sounded good, he was coming. And if it didn't sound good, he wasn't coming. And so occasionally we'd try to eat something healthy like salad and Brother Dan made no apology. Now he doesn't still do this, I'm sure. Oh, maybe he does. But Brother Dan would say, I don't eat that stuff. I don't eat salad. That's rabbit food. He said, if I wanted to eat salad, I'd go out and pick some weeds or some bushes and start gnawing on them. He said, I don't need salad. So don't bring salad Saturday night because it's the meat night, right? But you know, as Christians, you know what we need? We need some milk. But then there gets a point where we need more than just milk. We need the meat. We need to get in this book and we ought to have a, a longing and a desire and I'm not trying to offend anybody in here that's a vegetarian or vegan or whatever you are, but can I tell you, it's hard to beat some good meat. And I won't get too descriptive right now because I will lose you and you will be out the door. But can I tell you, that's the way we ought to treat this book right here. We've got to have it. And there ought to be a longing. There ought to be a desire. 
for the Word of God. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.